Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on the 17th of September 2010. I always start off the show by getting the plug out of the way first of all, and that is to go into CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com website and you'll find hundreds of audios for download and you can peruse them at your leisure. I try to give you shortcuts to the big system in which you live. You're born into it, it pre-existed you and your parents, and it's a planned society planned by the richest people on the planet, using all the CEOs of international corporations who all belong to the same clubs and often are financed by the same bankers. And they literally have uh, brought in their ancient dream of the planned society, a united planet under their control uh, through trading blocks and various treaties and so on, through a United Nations and uh, really they're bringing in the biggest changes we've ever seen in history as we're all taught and trained to behave in different fashions and see things the way we were taught to see things, not the way we should naturally see things. So go into cuttingthroughmates.com and while you're at it too, bookmark all the other sites you see there in case the com sites go down. I get a lot of problem with the cyber attack boys and that's their job and they've, they've actually printed it in use articles in mainstream that that's what they're doing now they're going after and harassing and being an awful nuisance to people like myself so if you bookmark these other sites hopefully you can get the latest shows whenever uh, the big sites go down again and it's happened before in the past and while we're at it too remember that you bring me to you I'm not uh, here as a salesman I don't plug myself I don't beat my chest and say I'm the greatest thing since sliced bread uh, and that's what mainstream does mainstream does it too you know, the most trusted people in the news service, they keep telling you over and over, uh, this station, that station, and you know there's something wrong when they start doing that. I don't do that. I just say, take it or leave it. It's up to you. If you like what you hear, you can support me by uh, buying the books I have for sale, the discs I have for sale. That's all I put out there. Not an awful lot because I don't have time to do it. And... Uh, you can purchase these books and discs, which give you a different version of history. It shows you that a lot of coding, too, of cons that have been used in the past up to the present time. Very simple stuff that uh, millions of people were oblivious of as they were conned. So purchase them, and you'll find out that you're still being conned today. Uh, you can use a personal check from the U.S. to Canada to buy them. You can use an international postal money order from the U.S. to Canada or PayPal to donate or to purchase. If you want to purchase, send a separate email with your name, address, and order after you send the PayPal donation, and I'll get it out to you. Same across the rest of the world, with the addition of Western Union. And if you use Western Union, which is more expensive, mind you, they charge a hefty fee, um, make sure that you give me the same name and number that you write on the form in your end. Some people don't, and uh, it, it doesn't go through. Moneygram's an alternative as well, and some people just send cash. And that's that out the way, right? 
But remember, too, I, I'm not supported by advertisers. I could be. I could bring lots of them on. It would scare you for an hour. And then they'd plug whatever they're selling at the end of it as the cure-all. And that's generally the way that a lot of people survive. And that's all quite legal. We live in a commercial system. Without commerce, there'd be no stations like this whatsoever. You just have government stations like the BBC in Britain. And um, so commerce makes the world go around. But there's always a compromise if you bring on advertisers and this way I've got more leeway to say what I want to say. The ads you hear in this show are paid by advertisers right to RBN. I've got nothing to do with it. And that pays for this airtime and the staff and equipment and bills and the transmission of the show. So that's how it really works. So support me. And otherwise, I can go back to teaching small groups in more intimate detail and tell them a lot more stuff which I couldn't say on the air. Now we hear the music coming in. I'll be back with more after these messages. Hi folks, I'm back and we're cutting through the Matrix. The Matrix is the system itself into which you're born. And I think the movie portrayed it very well in it having so many compartments really where you think you can break into the next one and you've, you know it all, but you've got more and more to go. And each one is ruled by a different hierarchy, very much like the system in which you live, very much indeed like it, because you, you would find if you're up the, the ladder in this real world, that you'd have to join different associations on the way up because there definitely is a master to each level and uh, that's how the world is really, really run. Uh, Carl Quigley documented this very, very well in his book Tragedy and Hope and his other book called The Anglo-American Establishment with their whole plan to to form uh, a, a United Nations out of the embryo of the British Empire. They'd already done three quarters of the job of taking over the planet and standardizing it into their system, and they thought the U.S. could finish it off. And it's happened. It's been very successful with the aid of their own branch, the Council on Foreign Relations for the USA. But they have branches all over the world now, and they also have a branch uh, running the parliaments of of, uh, Europe, the parliamentarians of Europe, and they had the European International Affairs Group there belonging to the Royal Institute of International Affairs in London. All from London. Very ancient plan, worked very well. And it wasn't just to take over a world, but to bring in a type of society, gradually kill off all the useless eaters by sterilization, etc., and bring in a form of utopia for themselves and the ones who should come through into the new society. It's, amazed, it's always amazed me how closely akin their ideas in this upper elitist religion. When you study Freemasonry, and Rosicrucianism and so on. If you're very careful, you know what you're reading and how to read it, you'll find the clues about eugenics all the way through it. And little sayings going back to the Old Testament about uh, uh, who to marry, who not to marry, and all the nasty things that can happen if you marry the wrong person. But really they're talking about the offspring, the kind of offspring that you're after. And it's no coincidence, of course, that the penny or the little apron that the the, the masons wear uh, is squared over the groin area, the head below, as they call it. And the head above must rule. 
his every action. That's the idea. Don't let the base instincts make you marry the first lustful person that comes along. Uh, you, you, you actually use your head. That's It's all eugenics, all the way down the line. And not only eugenics, but the brighter type. Plato talks about it too. It was on the go in his age. He talked about the society in which he he, he belonged and uh, the aristocracy. He talked about the fact that they had their wives chosen for them. And he also talked in his book called The Republic, a totalitarian world system run by the guardian class, that was his own class, that, w- that, would, um, that married um, specifically for the right type of offspring. He also talked about the, the working ones that would work underneath them, uh, that would be bred the same way. If you wanted a good scientist, you, you get someone who's very good at mathematics, very left-sided brain type thing, and marry them with a woman of the same caliber, and you should be able to eventually get offspring um, with inbreeding, inbreeding, and inbreeding uh, along that line. That's what we also see in certain lineages like the Rothschilds, the Darwins as well were into it big time, and this is still ongoing today. Same with the Rockefellers. So that's the difference between it all. And what's interesting, now that they've really pulled off a lot of their plan, they've got to where they wanted to bring us all, they've got us all under a world where we're told what to do. It's an authoritarian society, as they have published in their various think tank declarations like the Club of Rome, democracies post-democratic, because democracy is too cumbersome, they claim, too many people claiming rights. They can't get their, their agenda through fast enough. But now they've trained us, they've dumbed us, dumbed us down as well, and they've trained us, and they definitely have trained a young generation in school to simply obey the authorities and to believe it's all quite natural, and that having no privacy is a natural thing as well. Who cares about it? Who needs that old-fashioned thing called privacy? We're all the same sort of idea. They have no idea of the monsters above them running the whole show or the plans they have for them. So they're neutered. They're out the, they're out the picture altogether. Now, here, here they're going for those who are following it's all, this article here is from the BBC, but it's very obvious who it's aimed at. Now, listen to this. Now, remember, too, Bertrand Russell said eventually they wouldn't even have to give names out. They just say experts or scientists, and uh, we would be taught to simply say, wow, you know, that's like God speaking. Just like it used to be the old days. Priests said, blah, 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 and that was it. That was, that was God speaking. Now it's scientists and experts. This is uh, from the 17th of September. It's good to think, but not too much, scientists say. Right? Uh, people who think more about whether they are right have more cells in an area of the brain known as the frontal lobes. UK scientists writing in science, oh, they've said that so many times, I'm impressed already, scientists in science, looked at how brain science size varied depending on how much people thought about decisions. So here they're back to phrenology and all that and measuring skulls and stuff, you see. But a nationwide survey recently found that some people think too much about life. You see, you're the guys out there. You're, you're wondering what's going on. You're trying to find out what's happening. You've watched your whole system being turned upside down. You've watched your freedoms being stripped off you, ripped off you. You've watched the rise of the Nazi goon squads all dressed in black that are now wearing badges across the planet. And uh, you're thinking about it, you see. Well, there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with you. You should be taking it easy, obeying the authorities, and being grateful that there's superior people who come out of special wombs who are up there taking care of it all for you. Just go out and play. 
you see. So anyway, so there you are. A nationwide survey found that some people think too much about life. These people have poorer memories, really. That's because you have a different version of history. It's just then some people, uh, uh, then, um, and they may also be depressed. Well, well, there you go. See, if you understand what's going on, you certainly won't be awfully happy. Isn't that true? Stephen Fleming, a member of the University College London team that carried out the research, said, Imagine you're on a game show such as Who Wants to Be a Millionaire? And you're uncertain of your answer. You can ask that knowledge. You can use that knowledge to ask the audience, ask for help. The London group asked 32, 32, you see, next one's an honorary degree, 32 volunteers to make difficult decisions. They had to look at two very similar black and grey pictures and say which one had a lighter spot. They then had to say just how sure they were of their answer on a scale of 1 to 6. Although it was hard to tell the difference, the pictures were adjusted to make sure that no one found the task harder than anyone else. People who, uh, who were more sure of their answer had more brain cells in the frontmost part of their brain, known as the anterior prefrontal cortex. This part of the brain has been linked to many brain and mental disorders. See, there you go. You, you think you've actually got a mental disorder, and you're certain you're right, including autism. Previous studies have looked at how this area functions, where people make real-time decisions, but not at differences between individuals. Well, what about all those guys that are up there signing treaties to sign all your rights out? They're darn sure they're right about things, aren't they? Does that mean they're all autistic, or they're just sociopaths? Hmm? And here goes, illness link. Ooh, illness, eh? The study is the first to show that there are physical differences between people with regards to how big this area is. These size differences relate to how much they think about their own decisions. The researchers hope that learning more about these types of differences between people may help those with mental illness. That's a buddy who thinks. Co-author Dr. Ramona Wheel from UCL's Institute of Cognitive Neurosciences. Neuroscience, again, your masters are going to dominate you all. They've all done a darn good job. Said, I think as is very important implications for patients with mental ill health who perhaps don't have as much insight into their own disease. Shared that they hope that they may be able to improve patients' ability to recognize that they have an illness and to remember to take their medication. Oh. However, thinking a lot about your own thoughts may not be all good. Cognitive psychologist Dr. Tracy Alloway from the University of Stirling who was not involved in the latest study, said that some people have a tendency to brood too much, and this leads to a risk of depression. You see, you should all be happy. The more knowledge you get about what's happening, you should all be happy, 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 and, and cheer on, you know. And, and once, you, once you tell people about anything, always add at the end, I'm not too sure about that. More than 1,000 people took part in a nationwide study linking one type of memory called working memory to mental health. Working memory involves the ability to remember pieces of information for a short time, but also while you're remembering them to do something with them. For example, you might have to keep hold of information about where you saw shapes and colors, and also answer questions on what they look like. Dr. Alley commented, I like to describe it as your brain's post, post-it note. Hmm. Those with poor working memory, the 10 to 15% of people who could only remember about two things, were much more likely to mull over things and brood too much. Well, the only way you'll get that is if you're utterly, utterly confused and you're surfing all over the internet, because these people can't remember anything at all. 
And neither can these experts either, because they keep changing their minds about things. And I was asking for more money to do another study. Quite something, eh? But anyway, if thinking is bad for you in the new world, in the new world order, and no doubt one day it's going to be branded dangerous, and I'm not kidding about that. One day you walk along and there'll be chips everywhere with the internet of things, and they'll have all this, this fine internet dust all over the place already scatter, if they haven't already, and everything is communicating to everybody, everything else, and you'll be, you'll be cognizant of what's going on around you, and alarms will go off, and they'll send signals to the SWAT teams, because, and that's what they'll say, oh, a thinker has been spotted. A thinker, he knows. We have one who knows. And, and they'll come after you. Hmm. It can be a joke today, but it's no joke tomorrow. It will come. And neuroscience, as I say, has been really, and I've read so many articles over the years about this, its job is to find ways of controlling society. That's why it gets incredible funding. It isn't just uh, from marketing to make, to make you buy things and behave a certain way and, and sing the songs that they make number ones, whatever drivel it happens to be. It's all to, to, it's to control the mind of you to make you uniform with the rest. Back after this break. Hi folks, we're back cutting through the matrix and talking about neuroscience, the big in thing today. And of course it's coupled with other psychological techniques as well. It's coupled as well with um, the technotronic era that Brzezinski talked about in his book, Between Two Ages. He talked about ways of controlling whole continents of people through electronic waves. He called it technotronics. And uh, that's here already, of course. They, they admitted with the HARP technologies alone that by piggybacking a secondary signal on the main signal, they could actually induce emotions, even thoughts in people's heads if they wished to. And that's old stuff. That's old technology. But they could bathe the continent with it and with the array of cell phones and cell phone towers and all the mini towers all over cities and so on. Um, you're getting bombarded all the time. They can actually hook that lot together and certainly put out their own signals and microbursts that affect the behavior of people. Old stuff, old stuff. And if you think, of course, they won't use it, don't you? You really think that, don't you? You haven't read the contingency plans for mass panics in cities and the various things at which they'll do, including spraying of Valium and Prozac. If it's going to be a long-term panic, the Valium kicks in quick and the Prozac takes over, according to some of the guys at the top. And they're ready to spray it over entire cities, they said. So this technology is all here. It's all waiting in the wings. A lot of it's already being used, and the public don't know about it. About a year, maybe even two years ago, I read the article from New York where the voice-to-skull technology was being used in New York. And they were actually using it and beaming uh, the, the the words right into your skull. And you'd hear the words telling you to go to the store that you would see across the street and so on, using it to influence your behavior. There's many, many techniques that they can use a voice-to-skull as one. There's another technique which literally will put the thought in the middle of your head. Old technology from the 50s in work today. 
They're so far ahead, so far ahead of anything you can imagine. And it's just astonishing, too, how everything ties in together already with the chips and the communication, so everything can communicate with everything else, isn't it? Just coincidence, isn't it? Hmm? Well, here's an article here, again, about neuromarketing. You see, these psychologists go and work for everything that controls you, including the marketing companies for advertising. And it says here, it turns out, it's, it's actually called the neuromarketing comes out of the shadows where it's been hiding, you know. It turns out there are some books you can judge by their cover. After all, when A.K. Pradeep was preparing to send his first book, The Buying Brain, out into the marketplace last month, he did what any self-respecting neuroscientist would do. He strapped some people into the electroencephalographic machine, that's the EEG, uh, gets up to measure their brain waves and then showed them various versions of the cover. He was in his parlance eating his own dog food. While Mr. Pradeep is a budding author, he spends his day as a president and CEO of NeuroFocus, a Berkeley, California-based company that reads people's brains in hopes of helping multi-million dollar brands more effectively design products, packaging, retail environments, and marketing materials. In other words, making a bundle of um, literally uh, modifying you without you even knowing it. NeuroFocus claims CBS, the U.S.-based weather channel, and Scott Trade amongst its clients. So the big clients work. You don't, you don't pay these guys big, big dough if it doesn't work, you understand. So it says, now Pradeep is is talking up the buying brain, which is both an attempt to demystify neuromarketing and an argument in favor of his company's approach over others. Conventional focus groups and other market research requires vast sample sizes in order to eliminate the variances of personality. Little changes in personality variations can upset their, their plans. The lure of neuroscience is that it can measure our responses to stimuli at the level of our reptilian brains. That They always call it reptilian these days, but it means the primitive part of your brain that everything that lives has. They all have that part in it where you, it functions your breathing, uh, your fight-or-flight syndromes and all that kind of stuff. It means a primitive part of your brain, not that you're reptiles, uh, which means it can figure out our actual responses rather than the ones we give to people running a focus group. I might try and find the links, too, to that series on Bernays to show you how they set up focus groups. And the, the idiots, the idiot public go in there and help them in becoming these little lab rats and, and to make sure that they can find ways to influence them. If it works on them, it'll work on the general public. Don't you get fed up getting influenced? Hmm? And the whole idea is to influence you and make you do things and buy things and, and motivate you to wear things, and, but your, your behavior changes as well without you knowing it. Without you knowing it, you think that's okay? Is that a good thing to do in society? Now, these guys at the top think, think it is. They think it's good to, to train you to be a peaceful, uh, obedient, very obedient bunch of sheep, basically. They don't want thinkers, as I've already said. If, if you're a thinker, there's something wrong with you. You're dangerous. So here's these neuroscientists getting big bucks, and every big corporation uses them. The television stations all use them too. Every music video you watch uses them. Um, everything's used to, to hit the primitive part of the brains. It's always sex and stuff like that. And you can see the effects in society as young girls try to dress like the whores you see on the dance floor. And it works very well. It helps make sure that the whole agenda to make sure they'll never marry uh, will happen because they have so many partners before they're 15. <laughs> uh, that was all designed years ago.
everything works together in psychology, neuroscience, and all the other aspects of it um, with the big global agenda. Everything. There's nothing that you do, even your little hobbies that you pick up, aren't authorized and put out there for you to pick up on and do. There's nothing. Nothing at all. And most folk can't believe that, but it happens to be true. Lots of documentation on it. Back with more after these messages. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network. Because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And just before I go into a caller here, there's an article about people who obviously worry too much. And it says here, it's from a business report from MSNBC, it says, New York, a record number of homeowners lost houses to their banks in August as lenders worked through the backlog of distressed mortgages. Real estate data company Realty Track said Thursday, new default notices decreased at the same time, suggesting that lenders managed the flow of troubled loans and foreclosed properties hitting the market to limit price declines, the company said. Root problems of high unemployment, wage cuts is in the U.S., Negative home equity and restrictive lending practices persist, however, pointing to lingering housing market pain. Part of the, the, the manifesto of communism was the eradication of private property. And you also found it in the writings, too, of um, Freemasonry, by the way. Albert Pike talked about that. And you also find it in the Royal Institute of International Affairs. You also find it, again, in Agenda 21, where they talk about all rental, all property will be rental only, and even no motor cars, no automobiles for for individual use. It will be communal transportation only in essential vehicles. Isn't that amazing, eh? Back to this article here, though, it says, uh, Realty Tracks sees a record 1.2 million repossessions this year, uh, up from just under 1 million last year, with more than 3.2 million homes in some stage of foreclosure. In 2005, before the housing bust, banks took over just about 100,000 houses, according to the Irvine, California-based company. It really does look like we're seeing a slowdown of new foreclosures being initiated as part of a means to manage inventory levels on the market. It means that's artificial, the slowdown. Reality Tracks uh, Senior Vice President Rick uh, Sharga said in an interview, Banks foreclosed on 95,365 properties in August alone. Wow. Topping the May 2010 record by 2%. These repossessions of real estate-owned homes jumped 3% in the month and 25% in the year. At the same time, a similar amount, 96,469 homes, got a default notice. Defaults declined 1% from July and 30% from August 2009 after peaking at 142,064 properties in April 2009. So it will take about three years to work through the stockpile of distressed housing, Sharga said, resulting in a market that moves sideways. I like all their terminology. I don't think it will get any better until the end of 2013. I guess that's when the banks will have repossessed every home in the country, probably. That's the way it's going. eh? Now we'll go to the caller, and it's Harley from Michigan. Are you there, Harley? 
Yes, sir. How you doing, Mr. Watt? Long time. I haven't, I've been listening, but I haven't been able to call in. But um, just wanted to kind of jump on this res- uh, this uh, commercial, I mean, this uh, real estate you were just talking about. Uh, a lot of people are losing this ho- our homes here. Yeah. Um, as you well know, in my state, we're losing homes at an astronomical high level. And the funny thing about it is, is that now uh, the city of Detroit, the mayor is now calling for sustainable 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 living where he they're literally saying that this is going to be a good move and a bad move for people and they're literally talking about moving people out of their homes mm-hmm. homes have been passed down two and three generations oh guess what well the city we, we're, the city is shrinking we need to become smaller more confined uh, more because we can't afford the service and I said and I see that well I see guys plans are already in effect with this method and I just and I and it, it just it balls my it just yeah. I can't believe that people are falling for this renewable energy and all these things like that and it's just really for a trap as you said for agenda 21 you're going to mm-hmm. cut down on how many children you're going to have uh, your cities can't have can be overpopulated we won't provide you with the federal money or we won't provide you for food in some countries and uh, I just thought that uh, that's really funny I'll hang up and listen to what you have to say, your comments on that. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. Absolutely. It is Agenda 21, Agenda for the 21st Century. And that was in collusion with uh, the Millennium Goals for the United Nations. They, they put out both the, the Millennium Goals and uh, I actually have the sites for the Millennium Group and Agenda 21, and they've updated it. So it's worthwhile looking into the Millennium Group, United Nations. And uh, they, I, I even read their article from their main site, the United Nations. Patriot Radio had put out so many articles on Agenda 21 explaining it to the people who hadn't a clue what it really meant. And, um, and they were advised by the top honchos at the United Nations to use different terms, such as sustainable development and so on, instead of Agenda 21. So they like to do this little trick of changing the terms and confusing people. But you're quite right. Uh, but back in the 90s, in fact, back in the 60s, they were showing satellite photographs of the Earth uh, from NASA, and they were tying that in then with what they called this ugly urban sprawl, as far back as that. And um, they wanted then to start bringing in the outsiders, bringing them into the closer into the cities. That's why they talked about revamping the inner rundown cities and revamping it and, and giving them facelifts and so on. And, of course, they failed miserably at that. But they're going ahead anyway, and uh, they're going to put us into squalor, ultimately, by cramming everyone into the centres where there will be no work. Uh, they already have that in countries like, like Britain. They've done that in some places where miles and miles and miles of just houses and houses and houses schemes where they're all joined together, and there's no work anywhere. Utter misery. And social services and the courts run everything in those places because there's just no work. It's utter misery. In fact, the governments allow drugs to freely flow to keep them all utterly sedated and out of things. It's, it's interesting that Margaret Thatcher talked in, in, in the 80s about this too. She said uh, what was coming down. See, this is, this, is, this, is, this is what the people have to understand. You're living through an agenda. An agenda was written a long time ago. Uh, they were they were actually writing the agenda, updating it back in the 80s, updating it, I should say, not writing it, 
to do with the society they were bringing in as they were writing and, and signing all the, agree- the, the agreements with GATT, the General Agreement on Trade and Tariff, getting that all set up so that China would become the manufacturer for the whole planet. They knew what the fallout would be across the Western world and America and Britain and elsewhere. And they, they decided not to put anything in to take up the slack. Nothing would fill the gap of the jobs being taken away. And so they, they, they had think tanks working on every consequence that would happen in the general public, the depression, alcoholism, drug addiction, um, violence, all these kind of things from a dysfunctional society that had no hope and decided then to really up all the agencies um, which they did, social agencies that now run the people's lives along with the police and the courts, drug rehab and everything else. That was a compromise because what they said, when they crammed them into these cities, they'll gradually die off. They know darn well they're all being sterilized too at the same time. And uh, they, they, Margaret Thatcher even said it was better and when she extended the bars opening all day long whereas before they had certain opening and closing times during the day so that people wouldn't stay in there all the time. Um, she opened them in the 80s all day long, and I think they're open up till 2 or 3 in the morning now, I don't know. Um, and she said the reason for it, she says, was to keep the young people off the streets. It's better to have them drunk in the bars, spending their welfare checks, than, than, than getting organized and marching in the streets demanding things from government. That's what she said. And she also went on national television and said, um, there's a generation coming which will never see work in their lifetime. Get used to it. So these guys knew this all along. They kept it quieter in the U.S. Uh, the signs were all there. I watched the GATT signing and all the rest of it. I watched the setting up of China. I saw that the millions of Chinese students were being trained in the Western universities as engineers for factories which they didn't even have yet. They didn't have them yet because they had to be moved from the States, the U.S., Canada, Britain, France, and elsewhere over to China. But they, we, we trained them in the Western countries. This is a global agreement. Global. So we're obsolete now in the West. And I've even looked into the architects, different training they're getting now from Australia across the world and elsewhere. It's all the same stuff they've been taught in the colleges. It's this uh, uh, cramped sustainable living into uh, the inner city development, the, the demolishing of urban areas altogether. They've even designed, and I've got a link here, if I try and find it, I'll put it up, where you can see these big machines that they're, they're working on to demolish. It's called the Urban Eater. It demolishes, it goes in there and, and literally demolishes everything that's standing. And again, as to, to create a, a much smaller population for the future as they decline in numbers because it ties in with their agenda up to 2050 where, no, the population is not going to increase in the West except for immigration only as it has been for years now. It's going to actually diminish uh, as people have fewer and fewer children, and most of them are sterile now anyway, the fastest growing business inside the United States, apart, apart from loan sharking, is um, fertility clinics. That's the fastest growing industry. So uh, that, that's what it's about. It's a planned agenda. It's a takedown. They say that they cannot uh, extend the services to such far-out places um, when when uh, there's no work in those areas, well, I would just say, okay, I'll get a generator and uh, I'll dig a septic tank and I'll drill a well. 
That's what the folks should do. But they're not going to allow you to do that, of course. They want you crammed together. In a society of total observation, they can't have you as an outsider. They mean total when they say total. That's what we're the last of our kind, herd and herd us all into the same areas, and we die off up to the year 2050. The young ones growing up probably will, will be pretty well infertile and won't have children at all. They won't want children. Uh, that's how they've been trained at school. So that's the big agenda, all planned for us, and the culture pretty well has been destroyed. Pretty well destroyed. And again, the, the crash when it came was on cue. It happened when they wanted it to happen. The president really announced it, which meant that that was the order for it. That panicked everybody. If you had said, don't worry about the stock market, it's going to be okay, everybody would have put their faith in it. That's all it runs on and kept investing. This was a planned takedown at the right time. At the right time. That's how it is. Now, here's another, another article here. Um, and this, this, this agenda is worldwide, remember. Uh, except for a few countries that didn't sign it. Uh, it says that billionaire Soros, George Soros, the great wonderful philanthropist who makes billions of dollars off uh, shady deals, let's say it that way, is, is threatening to sue the Sun Media in Canada. And this is from the Globe and Mail in Canada, the newspaper. It says billionaire Soros threatens to sue the Sun Media over uh, an article that was printed. It says, uh, over a column penned by a conservative gadfly expected to play a, a key role in the media's giant Sun TV venture. Soros spokesman Michael Vacken said the chair of Soros Fund Management was deeply upset by an early September Sun Media column by right-wing activist and author Ezra Levant. In the piece which has just been removed from Sun Chain News websites, by the way, you'll find the article in a snapshot if you go searching for it. It says, Mr. Levant offered his opinion of how Mr. Soros, a Hungarian Jew born in 1930, survived the Nazis. And apparently what, see, apparently, I'll, I'll say it this way, apparently uh, Mr. Levant um, alleged, alleged, you see, uh, or allegedly said, said, that uh, Mr. Soros, whose real name was, uh, he changed his name from Soros when he, or his dad did during the 1930s to uh, uh, Schwartz to try and blend in. And then his dad wingled them into the groups that were rounding up Jews um, and confiscating their property. So apparently he made a little fortune off that, starting at a very early age, about 13 or 14. And then he went to uh, London after that and then became an investment broker, etc., and made a fortune out of that. So he, in other words, Mr. Levant's calling him a sociopath, uh, psychopathic type of character with no morals at all, except uh, very greedy morals, and Mr. Soros is awfully upset about it. So he's trying to sue uh, this particular columnist or person who wrote this in the newspaper, The Sun. Anyway, it says here, uh, Mr. Vacan said, Sun Media was notified by Mr. Soros' reaction earlier this week. It made false, defamatory, and offensive statements, and as a result, Mr. Soros has notified the relevant parties of his intent to sue. Uh, what is of concern in the article are the false assertions that Mr. Levant makes regarding Soros' conduct as a 13-year-old child in Nazi-occupied Hungary. They did have, um, they call them the, the Judenrat in uh, those countries, and these were Jews who ratted out other Jews for money and to keep their own skin safe. That's what it was about, really. They got a lot of cash out of that, you know. 
uh, and it says, um, he accused Mr. Levant of distorting statements made by Mr. Soros in past interviews. So I guess it's up to Mr. Levant to prove himself with, with the statements that Mr. Soros has said in the past. Uh, Mr. Levant declined comment Thursday. The column went on to criticize Mr. Soros for supporting Avaz.org, uh, an activist group organizing a petition against Sun Media's bid to get a license for its planned right-leaning cable news network. Now, you see, Soros uh, funds all these so-called left-wing socialist groups. And if he did work for the Nazis, remember, they were national socialists. And I guess Mr. Soros would be an international socialist, all doing the same thing. He funds these activist groups. Uh, And the petitions have got up against um, this author, apparently, um, are through that of this particular group that he set up. Uh, and they can put down petitions and just put anybody's names they want on it, in fact, apparently, the way it's set up, and appear, uh, and then they're going to send it to the, basically the communications authorities of Canada to try to, to get at them that way. But they can add the whole population of Canada's names on it if they wish to, apparently, without telling the people who, who, whose names they choose. That's the cons that they use. Mr. Soros is very good at this. Soros, too, is the same guy, I remember, who at one time uh, had a half page in the, the British media where he's, he boasted. And psychopaths love to come out after the fact and tell you how, what they did. It's like the mass murderers and so on. They, 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 uh, they keep very quiet, and then when they get caught, a rapist or whatever, when they, a serial rapist, they get caught, they love to blab and tell you how clever they were. Well, Mr. Soros blabbed how clever he was. He phoned two of his friends, he said. And they set up the British pound to fail. They crashed the British economy, the three of them, and they, they, and it forced Britain to go to the international banks, borrow billions, and Mr. Sora got awfully rich off that one too. He boasted about it, and you know something, there's no laws to stop them. Isn't that amazing? There's no laws to stop them doing that, eh? So anyway, as I say, there's a snapshot of the actual, uh, um, column that was printed in the Sun by Mr. Levant. Uh, with the accusations in it, and um, what will happen, I, I can imagine, because I'm a, you, the Goliath wins in, in this system, the Goliath of cash is a guy that generally wins, and everyone knows that, and we'll never get to the bottom of things anyway, on any of these characters at the top. Now, IBM is one incredible player in neuroscience again, it leads the way in neuroscience techniques and programming of the computer, which programs you folks. It programs you. Back with more after this break. Hi, folks. I am Alan Watt. We're cutting through the matrix. And IBM has been involved in social control since its inception. I think that's why they created it. I, IBM, if you speak it, it's I-beam. I-beam, that, the beam from the eye. You know the eye we're talking about. And um, again, if you go uh, one letter back, it's H-A-L, Hal. Hal, of course, is the old, for the old sun god. And that was Hal, the computer in 2001. And that's no mistake either, if the IBM is a computer system too. So anyway, without getting into all of that, um, they're big players, and their whole job was regulating for governments, people, 
right down to the camps for, for, for Auschwitz and other camps too. Uh, they worked for the Soviet Union. That they're, whole, they're great at identifying and categorizing people and, and marking people, all that kind of stuff. So they're heavily involved in leading the computerized injury industry for basically watching all of us. They're big, big, big up there. Well, the CEO is Samuel Palmasano, and he says, um, I'm convinced we can build a smarter, more sustainable economies and societies. Do not look at this as a demonstration of corporate virtue. We're not doing this as an act of philanthropy or as a traditional form of corporate social responsibility. We are doing it rather because it is integral to everything we mean by building a smarter planet. That's where we see our future growth lying because it's where we see the future arena of commerce and society taking shape. That's what you said at one of them. And I'm going to put a whole bunch of links up for you to look at with the various speeches he's given to the big corporations. And every major corporation attends the the IBM summits, you see. And uh, the IBM also has one here, A Smarter Planet for Sustainable Future, uh, a talk he gave at uh, the summit at START. START is the big organization for sustainability in the future, depopulation, etc., that Prince Charles is supposedly the head of. He also has another one, The Smarter States of America, from a, a, a talk he gave in July the 9th, 2010. I'll put that up too. And Smarter Cities Forum, that was in China, uh, June the 2nd, 2010. Uh, Intelligent Transportation Society of America, that means we are all on foot or bicycles, of course. Uh, 2010, IBM Annual Meeting of Stockholders. Interesting, it goes through their stockholders, by the way. But you have to see who all attends their major meetings. Any corporation, it's any corporation att- attends their world meetings. They're all one big club at the top, and they all work together. That's what you've got to understand. Otherwise, you truly would have competition in diverse ways of living. You don't. It's all getting streamlined into the same direction everywhere all the time. All the time. And just before I go tonight, it's the last straw, folks. It's the last straw. You know, they've modified everything out there. Your coffee bean was modified back in the 80s. Because everybody drinks coffee, so they went for that tea, every, everything that's commonly used to make sure they bioengineer you, dumb you down, make you stupid, and help you die earlier, you know. And the big companies have gone after everything that you like, tomatoes, so-and-so. But here's the last straw, sweet victory. The DNA of chocolate is within reach. That's it for me. There's nothing left to live for. September 15th, so they've gone and modified the cocoa tree. <gasps> Cocoa tree. Ah, oh, that's it, folks. What's what's left, eh? What's left? They've modified sugar beet, sugar cane, everything. And now they're gone for chocolate. Ugh. From Hamish Marcel from Ontario, Canada, it's good night. I mean, your God or your gods go with you.